Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's episode, did a demon prey upon an unsuspecting individual in his time of need? A listener shares his warnings from hell. Did an item on eBay have an unexplained drive to make someone purchase it? And one listener explains why she's very glad her parents did not let her attend a sleepover. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi there. How are you doing this fine evening? I'm fine. How are you? I am doing well. This should be interesting. Uh-huh. Did you attend a lot of sleepovers as a child? No. I really wasn't a fan of them. I remember one time spending the night over at somebody else's home and staying through the night. Yeah. But I decided for my seventh birthday that I really wanted to have a sleepover. And my mom was like, okay. My little brother was past the point of, you know, getting up in the middle of the night. So she agreed. And all the little girls came over. And about halfway through the evening, she started noticing spots on me. Spots on you? Sure enough, I had come down with chicken pox in the middle of my (laughs) seven-year-old birthday party sleepover. First and last time I ever had a sleepover. So she called all the little girl's moms, and they all had had chicken pox except for one, and the one that didn't, she stayed because the mom was like, you know, she's going to get it anyway. She might as well go ahead and get it. Did she get it then? She did. Okay. And I felt bad because she got a much worse case than I did. Yeah. And my little brother got it too. And I got in big trouble because I played connect the dots on him with permanent marker. <laughs> that worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> he still kind of has some of the lines. I noticed, <laughs> no. From the permanent marker. It's kind of odd. But uh, um, interesting story. Wow. I, uh, I was not a big fan of sleepovers as a child. I remember one sleepover that I had as a kid. Um, they really were never at my own house. Unless it was like my cousins. That was it. I don't think I ever like actually had friends to sleep over. Yeah. Ever. Um, but I had a friend who, it was just, it was uncomfortable. His dad kind of looked like Hitler. Really? I'm not even kidding. No. Oh, no. And I mean, that was just kind of always the running joke with my mom and me was like, oh, yeah, he looks like Hitler. Little mustache. Oh, wow. Very, very temperamental man as well. And would just off the hook fly off on anybody in his house. So he's really kind of a scary guy. Never like witnessed anything in front of me, but I'm sure, you know, that I was just lucky. Uh huh. Honestly. Um, but I, I'd sleep over at his house every now and then. I don't know why my mom let me sleep over just knowing that piece of knowledge. I know I would never let my kids at that point. But um, uh, it was always just odd. Remember, like, we'd stay up late and, like, play Super Nintendo and things of that nature. And then you'd, like, hear him, like, come out of his bedroom and just screaming at us. And we'd all, like, go run and hide in the basement. He would scream at you and you would run, go hide in the basement? Mm -hmm. And that was it. That would not have flown with my kids. It's good times. 
He never did anything in front of me, but it was it was just always very bizarre. And he looked. I think a lot of the the psychological disturbance of it was the fact that he looked like Hitler. I'm sorry <laughs> if somebody has that poor of judgment to not realize that they resemble a mass murderer. Yeah, a very famous mass murderer. He does to this day. My mom still runs into him at the Piggly Wiggly. That just shows that's not good enough judgment for my kid to stay over. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was good times. Wow. <laughs> Other than that, I didn't. I can't like. Eh, they really. Didn't I make. can't even imagine how irate I would be if one of my kids came home and said, "Yeah, the parent yelled at us to the point we had to go hide in the basement." Yeah, that's what we did. Uh uh-uh. uh. That was fun childhood times. Mama I mean, I, I bear, mean, Mama Bear would be coming out real fast. I'm happy that that's all that's happened. I mean, that's like this most scarring I think experience I had of my childhood. I guess. Wow. Because <laughs> I it's other than that a pretty good childhood, but uh, you didn't yeah. stay over there again, did you? Oh, multiple times. Really? Yeah. Did just, you tell your mom? Your mom would not have let that happen. I think I did say some. I stuff. doubt it. I, I doubt it. I know that she would not have let you go over there if you had said he yelled at you to the point you had to hide in the basement. But she knew that he was kind of crazy. But, probably, but there was just, it was kind of normal. She then. knew he was weird. But if you had told her that, yeah. there's no way. I know my mother-in-law. There is no way she would have been sending you, well, letting you go over there. I mean, you have to look at it this way, though. I mean, too. I mean, did we go and hide in the basement out of necessity or was it because we were little kids and we just ran to the basement? I don't want another parent screaming at my child. No, no, but... I want them to call me so I can handle that sure. part of it, but no. Uh-uh. Good fun. Back in 1992. Wow. Playing a little Super Nintendo. Street Fighter Two. rented that at the video store. I have such limited that was video game times. knowledge. It's all lost <laughs> past Duck Hunt. It's all a loss. A little on bit me. later. Just a couple years after that. Okay. But, uh, yeah. That was, man, I, I, I never really liked when he actually did go to sleep. I could never I, I could never fall asleep well at anyone else's house. No. Even when things were peaceful. I was just always very kind of, about the whole thing. So, anyhow. We should go to some of our stories today. That would be good. And talk about some of the ghost stories that have been submitted to us. Kicking it off today with uh, Tammy. Tammy writes in. Let me pull this back up. Hello, Tony and Jenny. I hope this letter finds you well. I sent in a small previous story about strange noises in the park near my parents' house and had added that my parents had a lot of things that happened in their house in that neighborhood as well. You wanted me to write back with some encounters with the negative energy that resided there, including a lot uh, surrounding my father, mental illness, and how it affected all of us there. Just a heads up, this story is really dark and is very personal to me. First, before I go into that, I needed to go over what I recently discovered about the land where the house is actually located. The house was newly built in Gracemore when my mom and dad bought it in the late 1970s, so I don't think there's anything going on with the house itself. The only previous owner of the land was uh, was of a farm, and I didn't find any information regarding anything strange happening from that at all. I also tried to find if uh, there were any burial grounds near the house or under the house, and I didn't find anything on that either. But I just recently discovered that the house is over abandoned caves, and that just made complete sense. Kansas City does not have many natural caves and that have been converted into warehouses. You can pretty much guess that native Indians lived in these potentially uh, areas and died there. As well, When it came to uh, my parents' house, I don't know if the deaths were natural or otherwise. From what all happened in that house, I can guess that not all of them were good. When I was really young, harmless things would happen in the house, and we never felt threatened by the occurrences. We had the family den downstairs. Most of the things we experienced were from downstairs in the den area. The family TV was located down there, and every now and then you could hear disembodied voices from upstairs under the TV noise. Usually this happened when no one else was in the house, and we would mute the TV to see if anyone had returned home, and no one had. We also would fear would hear footsteps coming down the stairs. We'd always mute the TV, thinking my dad or mom was coming down to greet us, and no one ever came around the corner. There were many times that it sounded like someone was coming through the front door upstairs. Many times when I was home alone, 
I'd hear the front door open and would proceed to come up to greet my family and no one had returned home. Things would always come up missing in the house too. Sometimes you'd find these items in another place and others were never found again. Later, more negative type energy started festering. It all started when I was about 10 years old and it happened out of nowhere. It's almost hard to explain about the overall energy that the whole house possessed, but here is where my father comes into play. A little history on my father. When he was 10 or 11 years old, he had suffered a brain tumor and had to have surgery to remove it. Procedures back in the early 60s were less than perfect, especially having to be in a VA hospital. To make a long story short, they had to remove more than the tumor to be sure that all the cancer was gone. This led to my father having a mental and physical handicap all of his life. This enabled whatever entered our house to manipulate him and turn in, uh, and turn and in turn affect everyone else in the house. But it seemed to surround my father more than the rest of us. And the only reason why I say this is because when he'd leave, the energy in the house would lift and become lighter. I'm not saying that it was his fault by any means, but it seemed to use him to get the rest of us. I always got along with my father before this, and everyone got along with each other, and for some reason, the energy just changed between everyone in the house. This included bouts of deep depression from my mother and me. I found myself not wanting to be close to him, and I would always separate myself from him. It just didn't seem like him anymore. His presence was so negative, even him touching me made me cringe. It seemed the only place in the house I didn't feel this was my own room. I don't know what it was, but I always felt comforted there. In later years, I spent a lot of time there living in this house, and at this point in time was almost unbearable. You always were on edge, and there was a lot of anger and resentment in the air. Everyone was at each other's throats constantly. Things would be completely different when you left the house. A huge feeling was lifted, but once you returned, it was just there, around you. And emotionally and physically, it took a toll on you. It got to the point where friends stopped coming over, and if they did come over numerous times, they also complained of this overwhelming negative presence. Then, when I became a teenager, it just got too out of control to the point of physical violence, and my mother had no choice but to have an exorcism done in the house. Things got better, but it didn't stop altogether. The ominous feeling had eased, but other things kept happening. Many times I'd be walking down the hallway towards my mother's room and I'd be pushed into the wall. I started believing that my mother's room was a portal of some sort, not to mention that the room would be continuously ice cold all year round, even in the dead of summer. I also witnessed a full body shadow person move down the hallway towards her door and vanish. I'd always heard about the connection between native of spirits and shadow people as well, but I can't be for sure if there's a link. There have been many different things going on there for years. I do, however, believe that there was a huge connection to everything, including the depression in the house. I've successfully managed to stay away, and I want to keep it that way. My life has been extremely different in so many ways because of it, too, in terms of bringing more positivity into my reality. My parents still live there, however. Even though my mother has learned how to cope with this, I wish she would just move, but she's just stuck in her ways, and I can't talk sense into her. All in all, it seems that the land was sick to begin with and has traveled to the house in some way, but that's my take on it. Anyway, that's my story. Thanks for reading. I'm sorry it was so long. There were just so many things that happened through the years in that house. In conclusion, I do want to say that if there are people out there suffering from this, you are not alone. There are many other people suffering from similar experiences, and they think they need to stay silent. This may, this may be because of fear of sounding crazy or being shot down and having others downplay it. The truth is that things like this do exist, and they are real to the people experiencing them, and you don't know until it happens to you. People need this kind of place to feel safe enough to tell their story because I know from writing this, it was extremely hard for me to share. Thank you again, Tony and Jenny, for your hard work on making this a safe place for others to be able to open up without judgment. Take care. Jenny, it's your turn to judge. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, it's my turn to Completely judge. Completely kidding. You know, I really appreciate Tammy being brave enough to write this. You yeah. know, it's not something that's easy to share. And I know firsthand 
what it's like to have a father with a mental and physical handicap Mm -hmm. because I do have one. Um, And I sometimes wonder if what he experiences is due to his disabilities or if something is toying with him. And I keep a very close, close watch on that and try and decipher what he tells me he experiences. Sometimes he, he sees my grandparents who have been gone, you know, both of them have been gone at least 15 years now. But he tells me that when he closes his eyes, if he doesn't, I, I, I always get this backwards. If he closes his eyes and he still sees them, then it's a, a hallucination. It's when you close your eyes and you don't see them and you open your eyes and you do see them that it's something else. Okay. So as far as we know, it's never actually been a haunting. It's been consistent hallucination. Right. Yeah. But because of what does, you know, what goes along with having these disabilities, you really kind of have to watch that loved one because you never really know, is it something they're experiencing because of what they've got or is it something they're experiencing because something is trying to use them. And that's a very common thing with this topic is the fact that there's a lot of times where we find people with disabilities that are being targeted by yeah, entities, if you will, for just a generic term. And that's why I'm so passionate about, you know, psychology, abnormal psychology, and then throwing paranormal into it. Yeah, kind of getting the full spectrum of what could be out there. Yes. Yeah. It's a very interesting story. And I'm glad she was able to share it with us. I know it was very probably difficult to write that all down, but hopefully it was some release for her to be able to to share all that with us. I hope so. And just to know, hey, there's somebody else right here who's been in that same yeah. boat. <laughs> and and there's probably a lot of people listening to it right now, too, going, yep, mm-hmm. I can relate to that. So thank you for sharing. That really is what the show is, uh, is all about. The number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. If you like the show, please help us keep it on the air. Become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. That's how we keep the show going. We get a bunch of bonus episodes for that. Some video as well. And uh, the satisfaction of knowing that you're keeping this show alive. Brand new bonus episode every single week. And you get access immediately to our archive of uh, bonus shows. You can sign up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Colin writes in, Hey guys, first of all, just want to say that you two do an amazing job at what you do. I always listen to you when I have time and I'm definitely considering becoming an EPP so I can listen to more of your shows. I have two stories that I can say are unexplainable. However, I'll share the one that has most stuck with me to this day and has kept me being very wary about shadows in the dark. It, uh, I was uh, in bed and going to sleep like any normal night when something unexplainable happened, which I cannot describe whether it was a dream or reality. However, it still gives me the creeps. I kept waking up during that night, becoming very restless, and the last time I woke up, I was stuck to the bed as if something was pushing me into the bed, paralyzing my whole body. I could feel my heart beating really fast as I was starting to panic at not being able to move whatsoever. I lay there on my back with my head facing the uh, entirety of my bedroom when I see this dark figure slowly creeping up over the end of my bed and it was as if it was slowly gliding over my bed just an inch above my bed cover, slowly moving towards me, getting closer and closer. The figure continued to move towards me. There was no face, just pure blackness. However, in that moment, and to this day, I always have had a sense that it was a woman. As the dark figure got up to my face, all that I can remember it uh, was uh, panicking and being afraid And uh, as far as what was going on. I closed my eyes and must have fallen back asleep as I woke up the next morning. I cannot figure out whether all of that was a dream or somehow real, as it was the most terrifying thing uh, to ever happen to me, especially as I was, it was very unexplainable. I hope you guys may have some idea and some input as to what it could have been, as I know you have had a few stories on your show before about shadow people. Just curious as to uh, have more insight about them, as I feel that they are quite possible an evil presence. I've not had any other occurrences since then. Thank you very much for allowing me to uh, share my story. 
carry on with your amazing show and the amazing work you do. I'm truly appreciative of all the entertainment that you provide, Colin. All right. I'm probably going to upset some listeners, but I'm going to say it. All right. I don't think all shadow people are evil. No, they're not. Okay. I, I, I go back to the, the argument that uh, shadow people have, they got a bad rap. Yeah. <laughs> if you will. I think shadow people have just been kind of lumped into the, this own like separate category because it's it's become a more descriptive term of ghosts. Mm-hmm. But I think for a long time, a lot of shadow people were just in that ghost realm until shadow people started being used as an open term. So I really think a shadow person is nothing more than another manifestation of a ghost. Some are good, some are bad. It's it, The way it appears to you does not necessarily, I think, reflect on its intentions. And I think maybe because you can't see anything other than the darkness of it. Yeah. That's what's so scary. Sure. And, and that makes sense. I mm-hmm. mean, number one, you have a, a shadow or an entity of some sort that's appearing where it shouldn't be. That's a scary thought or a proposition. Whether it's dark, whether it's bright light, either way, it's going to be uh, a scary proposition. For whatever reason, it seems, though, that entities, for whatever reason, appear more so in a dark uh, cloak, if you will, more so than a bright cloak. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that is. Maybe it takes less energy from like the light spectrum, if you will, if it's pulling energy out of it, maybe it's easier to manifest in a dark way than it is in a bright, luminescent way. You know, I don't know enough about that. I would assume, though, I mean, in my mind, since black is the presence of all color and white is the absence of all color, to have the presence of all color would be more of a challenge to manifest. Yeah. But, you know. I don't know. I don't know either, but I just, I hate the people that think that all shadow people are bad because we've had stories of some being very benevolent and helpful. It's rare, but, you know, there's some out there. I think it just really depends on what the circumstances are. Yeah, it does. It's not necessarily how it looks. It's, it's, don't judge a ghost by its cover. Or color, right? <laughs> or color, yeah. Or color, yeah. I mean, that really is the truth. I mean, it just really depends what is going on with the entity. So as far as the rest of Colin's experience, it sounds pretty much kind of like a, a sleep paralysis type experience. It does. It just sounds like he saw something other than the old hag or, sure. you know, the, the hound that we sometimes hear about. So it does make it somewhat difficult to say 100% that this was a paranormal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, just because when you do have sleep paralysis, your mind can do a lot of crazy things. Uh, but again, we've heard so many stories like that. It's it's very difficult to, to write off all sleep paralysis as being non-paranormal. Yeah. I almost think that there is a, an aspect to it in almost all cases where there's something else going on. I don't know. You? Yeah, I do. And I've said it and, you know, it's probably been a while and I know we have a lot of new listeners, but I just have the hardest time believing that people throughout the world, when they experience this, they're going to hallucinate the same or very similar type hallucination. Sure. The old hag, you know, sometimes that, hellish hound that comes Mm -hmm. or a shadow person it's it's usually one of those three and it's like why why is that there's no correlation but it's just too much of a coincidence and we know how i feel about coincidence yeah it's very bizarre it really is thank you for sharing that story with us our phone number 855-853-4802 claire writes in I uh, like to search haunted items on eBay to see whatever comes up, but I've never had the incentive to bid on anything. I uh, didn't want to risk uh, bringing anything into my home if the items were legitimately haunted. Honey, by the way, right now, on eBay, this is scary. I tweeted this yesterday, just going seriously. Guess what's on eBay? 
it's a haunted item. I mean, it's, you don't guess the item, but because um, it's fairly obscure, but it's uh, it's an interesting item, and I, it could probably be very difficult to prove that it's actually from this location. But somebody has put it on eBay, trying to sell it, trying to see what it goes for. Part of Amityville House. Yes. Okay, what part? A rock from the yard. Oh, really? Somebody, I think, stole some of their landscaping. <laughs> That's really what it is. And the disturbing part of it is it probably has nothing to do with the actual home from back in the 70s or when this stuff actually went on. Landscaping over the past 20, 30 years, and that house has been thoroughly landscaped. Uh-huh. It's been updated. The eye windows have been gone for years. I'm guessing any landscaping you're stealing from that yard is not part of the original complex of the home from when the stuff went on. It probably was put in by a landscaper probably in the last 10 years. Yeah, but somebody's going to buy it. Someone will buy it. An astronomical amount. It is on eBay right now. How much is it going for right I now? I think when I saw it the other night, it was like at $9. Okay. It was nothing crazy, and I would not bid on something like that. Even if I knew it was from back then, it is, and it's advertised as a brick from the Amityville house, but it's like a landscaping rock. It's not a brick from the house. It's not like somebody chiseled it out of the side. It's like a paver. Like yeah, it's a paver from the, yeah, from the bushes is all it is. Okay. So, yeah, exactly. It probably was at Lowe's in their Home Depot or something in the last 10 years. Uh-huh. So, anywho. Okay. Thought it was interesting. All the bizarre, haunted things that pop up on eBay. Anywho, continuing on. However, one day I saw the most beautiful ring up for auction. It was a rose gold embellished with little swirls around a blue and purple gemstone. It reminded me of the ocean somehow. Aside from how beautiful it was, what brought my attention to this ring was the seller claiming it had a mermaid spirit attached to it. Naturally, I was skeptical. The spirit of a mythical creature was attached to a regular piece of jewelry, but this ring was so gorgeous and it felt like fate was telling me this ring was meant for me. So I bit the bullet and placed a bid. You never hear that like in the ads for K Jewelers or anything. Bite the bullet? No. The mermaid ring. Spirits attached. Oh, no. You know, where they have the voice doing the whole, it's like, make her heart melt. Literally, with a ring with demonic spirits attached only at Jared, the Galleria of Jewelry. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be the next thing. (laughs) I ended up winning the auction, after which I received a message from the seller telling me a little bit about the mermaid, like what her name was. I'll admit I was amused by the idea of a mermaid being attached to the ring as I adore mermaids, but I didn't genuinely genuinely believe anything was attached to it, let alone a creature of fantasy. I received the ring in the mail about a week later. That night I was lying down for bed as soon as I started drifting off. I heard a female voice call my name. The strange part about it, besides the fact I was uh, by myself, was the voice sounded garbled like a person speaking was submerged underwater. Keep you posted if anything else happens. Well, for a short story, that is a pretty creepy one. Ghost of a mermaid. Uh, do people actually believe that mermaids existed? Some people do. Is there any legitimate evidence that mermaids existed? I have no idea. Is there like weird fossils or anything like that where it's like, oh yeah, there's Ariel. I have no idea. Um, it's just been folklore that's been around for so long. And I think it was one of those things where people in different parts of the world would have similar stories. So mm-hmm. there was some kind of common thread that they believed at one time something like that existed. I'm not saying that it did. Yeah, like garden gnomes. But there was something that, you know, made these varying cultures come up with a mermaid type figure in their folklore okay so that being said the creepy part though is there's something attached to that ring yeah i would probably lean if it's going to like emulate something that you're expecting it to emulate like a mermaid probably not a good thing no it's probably one of those things that's taking on the form or the shape or whatever of something where it's like oh well this is interesting let's find out more Yeah, or could it just be the mind playing tricks? Yeah, that could be that too. (laughs) That'd be the most easy explanation of that one. I'm sure it's a beautiful ring though. Mermaid ghosts. Zombie mermaids. Now that's a movie concept. 
Zombie mermaids. The Walking Dead, but mermaids. It's at sea. And you all, know what? And all the zombies are like in the water. And I they're... think Jaws covered it for everybody. What about like zombie sharks? Why would you have a fear of a zombie shark? Because you're you have a you would have a fear of a live shark. Well, yeah, but zombie sharks be more aggressive because they're very much much more in fight or flight. Not all sharks are super aggressive. A lot of them just kind of go away. But if you have zombie sharks, they're all aggressive. So every shark is aggressive. So if you're and, at the beach and you yell "zombie shark," what and, do you think your reaction would be? Well, you gotta run. But the thing is, a zombie shark is like going to flop up onto the shore, too, and try and eat people. And it's not going to get killed until you, you kill its head. I mean, you can shoot at it and harpoon it all you want, but it's still going to keep going. I'm done. Let's read another story. <laughs> I know all about zombie sharks. Okay. I've been thinking about this for a long time. <laughs> that's, that's quite possibly an even worse idea than Sharknado. Zombie Sharknado. Okay. There you go. Ray writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I want to begin by saying I really enjoy your program. I try to listen to it when I'm on the road uh, for removals and just or just embalming. Oh, well, there we go. You needed to know that. Removals meaning bodies out of homes? Uh-huh. Okay. Or just embalming. Okay. So. Hey, everybody has a job. Yeah. Everybody does their thing. The wheels on the bus go round and round. I think it's fitting to listen to something like our show when you're working on on people that have deceased or uh, deceased people. It does. It does. It makes, you know. That's just something that personally grosses you out to think about your voices being heard while somebody's digging in somebody's body or however that works. It doesn't gross me out. It's just interesting just to, to, it's one of those things where it grosses you out. It's their job. That's what they do. I'm not, I mean, I personally could not do that job. The job itself grosses me out. You're right. It's not a job I could ever do. Right. But, but it's someone's job. I mean, you need people to do those sort of things. It's what they do. It's, I mean, and it really is once they, I mean, it's an art form. I mean, really, as far as how they, they can do that stuff. Um, but uh, it, the job itself, yeah, it grosses me out because I couldn't ever do it. I mean, just as a surgeon does too, because I couldn't do that job. I would, I just don't have the stomach for it. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, it's an interesting, take a step back and go, hmm, I'm sitting in this, you know, this studio doing this show. We're reading ghost stories. I wonder who's listening to it. And, you know, there's thousands upon thousands of people who hear our episodes every day. And a lot of times my mind just kind of goes to folks driving in their car, working in their office, you know, walking around with headphones on or something. But every once in a while you get it. I'm cutting into a body <laughs> and it's just reality of it. It's kind of puts in, in the perspective on a real personal basis. We should have a contest to see who craziest job. Well, not the craziest job, but I guess maybe the strangest place that you have listened to the show. That'd be interesting. So, like, people that work in funeral homes listening to the show while they're embalming people. What's the strangest setting you've ever listened to our ho- to our show in? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Very interesting to hear why, like where and when and why. Yeah. You know, and it would just be like, it's my job. It's what I do, you know. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, let us know. That'd be fun. Just like a thread, like, up on the message board on our forum. Fill it in. Just say, hey, where you listen to the show? And uh, we'll talk about that on our, one of our future episodes. It'll be fun. Yeah. Continuing on. Yes, I'm a funeral director, and I recently wrote in to give you some insight on the spiritual workings of funeral homes in general. I plan on calling in with my own very personal story regarding why I believe I have experienced so much paranormal activity in my life. But I thought that I might uh, share with you some more uh, tang- uh, tangential uh, experiences of mine to begin. My first story comes from sixth grade. I was friends with a kid that I refer to as Gil. I was spending the weekend at his home where uh, he would uh, goof off on Friday night and then hit some movies on Saturday. Rode his bus home and uh, we came uh, in to find his mother not feeling well. 
asked if she wanted to go home, but she said she was just getting a migraine, and as long as we were quiet, I could stay. Gil and I played for a few hours. His dad came home sometime after 5.30, and Gil told him uh, his mom, who seemed to suffer from migraines a lot, was upstairs in bed lying down. His dad started to make supper, and when it was ready, we started setting the table. Gil was sent to see if his mother wanted to eat, and I was putting down the silverware. Gil came back about two minutes later and said that his mother was not upstairs. His dad asked if she had left instead of going to lie down, but we both stated that she went upstairs and never returned. There was one set of stairs, and they began in the living room where Gil and I had been the entire time, and she never came back down. His dad went to see if her car was gone, but it wasn't, and he got worried. and thought maybe she passed out in the bathroom or another room upstairs, so we all went to look for her. Their bedroom was empty, so was Gil's and his brother's. She was nowhere to be found. She had just vanished. It was right after we were trying to figure out what to do that we heard a woman crying. The noise was coming from Gil's parents' room. We all went and found my friend's mother on her bed, weeping uncontrollably. It took a while, but she uh, calmed down. His dad yelled for us boys to leave the room, but she asked us to stay. She then told us where she had been. Now, here's a crazy part. I can attest that she was gone. She wasn't under the bed or in a closet. She wasn't downstairs or at a neighbor's house. She'd been completely gone. As to what she said happened, well, I can only relay that part of the story and say that I believed her. I won't deny that it didn't impact me because the events are still very clear in my mind to this day. She said that when she went upstairs, she had turned off the lights, crawled in the top of the sheets, just hoping to keep her the uh, uh, brunt of her migraine at bay. She had uh, been flat on her back with her eyes closed when she heard an odd humming noise, a noise like a great big horn winding up. I've always thought of it like the noise the angel in the movie Legion makes as he approaches the diner, but that's my interpretation. Anyway, the humming caused her to open her eyes, and when she did, she said that there were four skeletons around her. Each of them grabbed one of her limbs, and when they did, the bed fell away. She said she fell for what felt like hours, and the skeletons were gone as soon as she started uh, her her downward journey. She never landed, but found herself in a place that was very bleak. Her eyes burned and had an unbearable stench. She saw people naked, packed up as if they were bales of hay, compacted and crushed into one another, screaming for help. Then she heard a voice, and it told her that this was her destination if she did not get her life in order. She then found herself in a place that she could not exactly remember, except that it it radiated with warmth and happiness. Again, a voice told her that uh, that could be her destination if she changed. Then she found herself back in the bedroom and started crying, which is where we came in. Now, to be honest, I don't know if she changed or not. I never really met her much prior and even less after the event. I do know Gil said she never had migraines again. Interesting. Very interesting. It makes you wonder what Gil's mom was into. It's not exactly it's a wonderful life, but uh, if it's a wonderful life uh, was produced today, that's how it would go. You think? <laughs> it would be very extreme. Be like, oh, and look, and it would be that setting where the people packed in the bales of hay and screaming. And uh, <laughs> Makes you wonder, though, because she was physically gone. Yeah. That's really, really strange. And then suddenly she's back. Mm-hmm. That's, how do you explain that? You can't. That's just very, very bizarre. Uh, his story continues on. My second story is more as an outsider. I can only tell you uh, what was told to me when I was a sophomore in high school. I began talking or taking Taekwondo classes, and it was there that I first met Ralph. Ralph was one of those guys who carried a sort of gloom on him all the time. He'd been born with some defects in his arms and shoulders, and as a consequence, could never place his arms straight out before him. They always stuck out to his sides like he was doing a bodybuilder pose. It was this condition that surrounded his attitude a little and led him to learn to fight with his feet. And I will say he could jump and kick like nobody's business. Now, Ralph and his buddy, with whom he spent most of his time, if he wasn't with his girlfriend, I should mention that he was about six years older than me and would often tell me about his crazy adventures. 
He and his pal, whom I'll just call Sam, loved to go to bars and get into fights. Ralph always had a great story about he knocked, how he knocked someone out or dropped a guy that outweighed him by about 50 pounds. What he did not know was that Ralph and Sam had really gotten into Satan and would hold crazy rituals and have offerings in the dark. Visiting his apartment to gave me a clue there was something off because he had a stack of knives, hatchets, and an axe into his walls the way you or I might hang paintings. I guess it was to such a point as... Uh, that the mere sight of blood got Ralph so aroused that he'd have to have uh, relations with his girlfriend. So this wasn't some sort of play cultist on the weekend thing for him. As I said, Ralph and Sam liked to drink, and anyone in our town who wanted to get drunk would either go to Guilford Lake or hang out on the Ohio River. And they opted for the river. After a few hours of tossing them back, Sam got his uh, dander up and decided that he was going to go swimming. Stripped down to his underclothes, headed into the water. However, his inebriation impaired him to such an extent that he could not keep himself above the water, and the current took him further away from shore. Sam called for help, but Ralph, with his defect, defect, I really hate that term, could not swim, and actually had to stand on shore and watch his best friend drown. Needless to say, Ralph was devastated and could not forgive himself for letting Sam die. I do believe at one point he was suicidal, but his tough guy image would not allow him to reach out for help. It was about a week after Sam's funeral that I saw Ralph again, and he told me this story. Ralph had gone to bed after a fight with his girlfriend, whom he had kicked out for the night. He had been drinking and was in a foul mood. He passed out on his bed and awoke when he heard his name being called. He assumed it was his girlfriend wanting back into the apartment, but then he saw Sam step from the hallway into his bedroom. Sam was soaking wet and looked like he had been dead for a month. He walked to the foot of Ralph's bed and stood there with his hand out, dripping water as if he had just been pulled from the river. Ralph asked why he was there, and I would like to say it was to comfort his friend in his time of loss, but that was not the case. Sam said that he was in hell and he had come back for Ralph, since they were to have gone there together. Ralph, needless to say, freaked out and started screaming for Sam to leave, but Sam just made a waving motion that just said, come with him. Ralph then called on God to eject him from his room, and Sam was gone. Ralph was in a cold sweat and said his room was freezing. I never asked if there was any water on the floor. I suppose I should have, but it slipped my mind. I'll say that after that, Ralph had a much better outlook on life. You could see the darkness that hovered around him was gone too. I honestly do not know if he got churchified or not as I moved not much later afterwards. All I know is that I completely believed everything he told me. Sorry, I'm not a holy roller, but I have always felt that these two stories fit really well together. Thanks and take care, Ray. I think they do fit very well because they're mm-hmm. similar theme. Sure. But I like the imagery in the second one of the dripping wet dead Sam coming back for Ralph. It's very Do you think it was him? Do you think it was just some sort of psychological thing? or It could be either or, but, you know, I would say that's not typically something you would think that they would hallucinate you would think that that would be something that would come back later and actually have a message yeah yeah Yeah. i think it kind of leans more paranormal i think so yeah very interesting story thank you for sharing those those stories with us sunny writes into us hi tony and jenny i recently became an epp and heard you read my story about the haunted furniture store that used to be a drive-in movie theater in texas Tony, your reaction was hilarious. Can you refresh me on what this was? That was the one where the murderer, murder, excuse me, I can't say murderer. Murderer? Murderer. You're a murderer. Isn't that a Rihanna song? I don't know. Murderer. I think that's how it goes. That's great. Something like that. Um, <laughs> came and killed the drive-in attendant and then piled furniture on her and set her on fire and then sold tickets to the drive-in while the little furniture, by the little shack that you sell tickets in, mm-hmm. was on fire. 
Do you remember that? We have so many stories where people are murdered and furniture is piled on them and they're set in fire. I get them mixed up. Okay. Well, this was a true story because Sonny included the link to the, yeah. the article. Yeah. I, I do remember that. Okay. It was like, it was like, is this serious? Is this real? And you're like, yep, here's the article. Uh-huh. Yep. I do recall that. Continuing on, also you guys uh, didn't know if I was a male or female. I'm a female. Anyway, wanted to share with you guys something that happened to me in 1991 when I was in fifth grade. I was invited to a slumber party by a classmate since my parents were and are extremely and overly religious. I was not allowed to associate with anyone who did not go to our place of worship. Yeah, it sucked. So I was not allowed to go. So the slumber party was over the next weekend and the next school day. All the girls were freaking out over something that happened at the slumber party. Turns out someone brought out a Ouija board at the party and crazy stuff happened. It was such a huge disruption that the teacher sent all the girls who went to the party to the principal's office. Many of the girls were crying and said that one of the girls was actually possessed by something that night and it was still inside of her. Later that day after lunch, we went to recess. We'll call the girl who was allegedly possessed Sally. When outside a recess, Sally had quite a big crowd gathered around her, so I walked over to see what was going on. She claims that she had a spirit man inside of her named Octavius. She said to ask her questions and he would tell her the answer. She also would have you put your hands on top of her hands and her hands would start to vibrate really fast. I'd asked her something, but it's been so long I have no idea what it was or what she said. It was strange, and I really don't know if she was faking or not. Later on in junior high school, Sally would do really strange things. She'd uh, cut her own hair all in different lengths and would start crying out of nowhere. No one really would hang out with her because she acted so strange at times and would sit there and talk to herself. Felt really bad for her, but I had to try to talk to her and see if she was okay. She just acted very distant and would not want to talk about it. She was later sent out of school, and I never saw or heard anything about her again. Hopefully she's still out there somewhere happy and that the spirit had left her. Now that I look back, I'm glad I didn't go to that slumber party. Thanks again for reading my story. I'm loving the EPP episodes. They really are the best stories and totally worth the $5. You guys rock. Peace and love, Sonny. Okay. So either one of two things happened. Something possessed this little girl at the slumber party because of the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to deal with that. Or... She went along with it a little too far, pretending that something happened to where she became stigmatized. Yeah. And then had issues overcoming that. Or if she had other stuff going on in her life at that time that no one else really knew about and it was kind of a attention-seeking uh-huh. thing back in the day of the, um, the possession claims. Hey, look, people are going to pay attention to me here now. And there was some reason for that. Um, you know, I, it's it's hard to tell. It is. I mean, either she was a normal little girl that was never the same. Sure. Or she was just on the brink of going into a weird, almost experimental phase where yeah. you, you were trying to find yourself. And, you know, it's not unheard of for kids to cut their own hair just for attention to give a certain look or make yeah. a statement. And, I mean, to be in a set, I mean, it's not extremely common for a a child to claim that they're possessed or something like that. But if put into a setting where that is an option of, oh, maybe uh, one of us will be possessed. Maybe somebody, you know, said that to her, suggested the idea. Uh Um, And if she was someone who was, you know, really seeking out attention and trying to act out something, hey, I'm the possessed one. Um... That's not so out of the ordinary. Right. If if the story had been, we went, to, went out to the playground, she said that uh, the spirit was in me, and then she started like hovering above the monkey bars. Okay. <laughs> you got something there. It's very hard. I mean, I'm not, I'm not discounting it. I'm not saying that it's not possible that there was something that happened with that little girl because of that Ouija board. But... There's not a lot of evidence there other than the girl acting out. And 
little girls at that age do tend to act out in intention-seeking ways. Sure. You know? Um, so it's hard to say. What do you think of the being pos- the the being possessed by something named Octavius? I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know much about that word. Um, it'd be interesting to look it up and see if it does correlate to something. There is like a uh, a demon wiki um, that we could look that up, and I'm sure our listeners will. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see because this was 1991. Demon wiki did not exist. Um, so unless you had some sort of knowledge of the occult, and if there is that name that exists in that world, uh, that'd be questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as a common knowledge demon that t- tends to come out in people. Um, but uh, if not, I don't know. I, it, it's, a, it's a hard one to, talk, to, to tell. But uh, we should it'd be interesting to see what uh, our listeners find on that and what the thoughts are. What do you guys, I mean, let's just ask, what do you guys think? Do you think the girl was actually possessed? Or do you think it was simply just a case of a little girl acting out? It's, uh, are you going to, are you going to demon wiki this? No, I'm not. I want to check something before I say it. Okay. I'm going to sing a song while you do that. Okay. Sailing takes me away. Please don't sing Christopher Cross. (laughs) It's been a long time since I've sung that one at karaoke. Um, (laughs) It's an interesting uh, uh, thought nonetheless, but a very disturbing story. I mean, I I can't imagine. uh, I mean, we played a lot of weird stuff on the playground as kids. Ghostbusters and stuff. I can't remember any of us ever like possessing, pretending we were possessed. Okay, what I wanted to check before I said it, because yep. I was sure as soon as I said it, it'd be wrong. I know of a place where m- almost all little girls would have heard that name before. And? It's in Cinderella. She names the little fat mouse Octavius, but okay. gives him the nickname of Gus. Okay, so it's uh, in common children's folklore. At least that name is. Okay. And it's a very old sounding name. It sure. probably is a very old name. So, you know, it sounds like something that would come out of being possessed. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of leans more towards the girl kind of acting out, but it's hard to tell. It's creepy, though. It's one of those stories. I mean, just like every show, every story we get on the show, I'm open to hearing it being real. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to judge and say real or not real. I'm just kind of here to throw out possible explanations if I can think of them. Right. And just, you know, share our thoughts. That's what the uh, the show is all about. If you have a real ghost story, you can share it with us. 855-853-4802. Of course, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you like the show, please consider becoming an EPP. Our last uh, letter there very much said, love being an EPP. Love those stories. Some really good ones there, by the way. So sign up. You get access to all of those past episodes. And, of course, a brand new one every single week. And you get the satisfaction. And you can sleep well at night knowing that you're keeping the show on the air. Just try it. They're all doing it. Everyone's doing it. You will. Do it. Now. 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 <laughs> now. I'm kidding. Dwight Schrute, by the way. Uh, so anyhow, check them out. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.